welcome to Valley Christian Church. We hope you enjoy this message, and we would love for you to join us on Sunday mornings at 1030. We're located at 432 East Pleasant in Tulare. After listening to this message, take a moment to browse our website for current and upcoming events. It is our prayer that ultimately you learn to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Christ is talking to the disciples and he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener or vine dresser. He cuts off every branch in me and that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because, because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain or abide in me and I will remain in you. No, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must be, or remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you shall ask or you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus and the disciples, as we've been studying, as we get back into uh, John um, now, Jesus and his disciples have been having dinner. And at the end of chapter 14, he basically says, hey guys, uh, come on, let, let's go for a walk. And they're, I mean, walking around busy Jerusalem. Because you've got to remember, this is Passover time. These guys are from Galilee. These are country boys. They're, they're walking around just fascinated by the city. I've been to New York. I'm kind of a country boy. And I've been to New York, and I'm just walking, away, walking around just fascinated by it. I'm like, you know, we get there at like, what, our time, it's like one o'clock in the morning, um, or their time, one o'clock, so our time, like dinner time. So we're there and like, we're like, we're hungry. It's one o'clock in the morning. Hey, let's go get a hot dog down at the corner. We're fascinated. They're selling hot dogs at 1 a.m. in New York. Okay. This is how the disciples were. They're walking around Jerusalem during Passover and they're just fascinated by Jerusalem. They don't get to the big city that often. But these guys are walking around with Jesus and it kind of cracks me up because we, we call our relationship with Jesus our walk. These guys really, really walked with him. That's fascinating to be there. You know, it just had to be fascinating. So as they were walking around, one of the many things that they would have seen and, and they were all over the place during the first century would be this whole vine and branch symbol going over. And in fact, this is a symbol that's really important to Jerusalem even till today. Here's a picture of the first harvest after, after Israel took back their land on May 14th, 1948. This is a picture of the first harvest of the grapes and the wine. It was really important. So this symbol would have been plastered all over the place. Basically, they went to the Romans and said, hey, we know you're in charge, wink, wink, but can we have some national symbols? And the Romans basically said, well, if it'll keep you happy, sure, put them up all over the place. We'll even pay for you to do it. So, you know, the Romans paid for it. The Jews actually sculpted these things and put them up all over the place. And the Romans just basically said, but don't get out of control. And that worked until, you know, around 78 or 66 AD and the, and the Jews started to revolt and, and that whole thing that we're not really going to go into. See, I get off my notes. But you could imagine these guys walking around with Jesus 
And one of them pointing out, wow, look at that sculpture. Or maybe, or maybe it was Psalms 80 that came to the mind where Israel refers to themselves as the vine in, in verse 8 in Psalms 80. And, and um, I'm just going to go there quickly so you don't need to turn there. But it basically said you brought a vine out of Egypt. You brought us out of 400 years of captivity. And the, the, roots, the root stock was, was still healthy. That's the thing that was in the ground. That's the, the thing that gets planted. That was still healthy. And you dug it up out of Egypt and you replanted it. The psalmist says that he drove out all the other nations, prepared the ground, and filled the land. And the psalmist continues and says that, that even though God planted a vine, it became unhealthy again. And in verse 17, the psalmist cries out to the Lord and says, Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. And these were the songs that would have been sung during Passover. This is one of the songs that they would have been singing during this, you know, in this area. And, and yet Jesus, he's walking right through Jerusalem and right through their city. And they don't even realize that this song was about him. So they're walking through this Kidron Valley. Basically, they came, and I, I looked through my, my Israel pictures, and I really couldn't come up with a good picture, so I just left it out. But basically, they came from, from past the temple on the other side of the temple in, in, in a house, the upper room, and they came across walking near the temple area, and then they would go down the, the, the Kidron Valley. And then they would look across to the Kidron Valley, and that's where the Garden of Gethsemane would be. So they would go down in this valley, and then they would go back up. Today it's filled up a lot, a lot of different, you know, uh, different land and different buildings that have been destroyed. They've kind of filled up the valley. So it's not so much a walk, but, but back then it was a walk down and walk back up to the Mount of Olives. You can imagine them not really having a lot of lights, you know, torches, their version of flashlights. You can imagine Jesus going, hey guys, guys, come over here. And they're like, oh Jesus, we've got to walk up the other side. Why are we stopping now? No, 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 guys, come over here. Let me show you something. And he might have even been down on his knees because the Kidron Valley was where all the grapes were, where, where, where all the vines were. And you could imagine him just saying, hey guys, look at this. Bring that torch over here. And these grown men would have looked down to where Jesus was and what he was showing them. And he says to them, you see this? This is me and you. And they would have been like, okay. He's going, no, no. Do you understand, guys? Yep, we got it. Okay, well, well then tell it back to me. And, the, and aren't we like this with Christ? Aren't we like this with the Holy Spirit and God? He's like wanting to teach us and we're like, yeah, yeah, I got it. And he's like, prompts us, well, well tell it back to me. Well, um... Okay, well, this is a vineyard, this is you, and, and this is me. Isn't that kind of how our response is? Now, can we go? And then he really starts to teach them. This is the vine, guys. And they're like, duh, well, we're from Galilee. We got vines all over the place. And he says, I am the true vine. What does that make you guys? Starts with a B, it's a branch. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener or vine dresser. Now, I don't know if you've ever studied vines or ever, you know, talked to a vine dresser, 
me being the geeky nerd that I am, I actually go and find out about this stuff. I, I love this stuff for some reason. My wife is tired of the History Channel, tired of all those things. First, before you start talking about vines and branches and fruit and all that stuff, you go talk to one of these guys, you got to start talking about the soil first. A farmer digs down and looks at the soil. He digs deep into the soil. And what a good wine farmer would do is he would look for the same two principles that are in us. It's about the same, same amount of magnesium that we have in our body and about the same amount of calcium in our body. And he would test the soil and he would go, yeah, this is, this is good soil. And if, and if it didn't have enough of those two components, he would actually add those to the ground because the soil helps the root take root and then it helps branch out and it helps produce all those things. So he would talk uh, soil first. Then they would take out all the weeds. They would make sure there's proper drainage and proper watering. And and they would organize the vineyard. Put a certain amount of spacing between where all the plant vines would be. And they would actually, you know, uh, know, today's modern days, they would just add miles and miles of of piping and, you know, for watering and all that. Then they would add the wires as they, you know, the guide wires and all that. And it's all there for a reason. And finally, they would send off for a specific rootstock, for that specific type of soil. Because not all wine grapes can grow in every, you know, different types of soil. They, they all have their, their perfect amount of soil, a perfect type of soil. And then the planting begins. And once it starts, you would think, great, they just tie their branches. I, I don't know, are you guys familiar with, with modern, you know, like... Vine, vineyards, they, you know, it comes off a rootstock and then they have the lines that go across. You would think that they would just take those, those branches and just tie them straight to the line. No. They go and they find the right branches and they graft them in. They actually cut the root and they stick it in there. And, and you can get really technical here. I don't know all the technical parts of it. But they would actually graft a correct branch in for that plant, for that. So it may even have a different color, color uh, you know, bark on it and all these different things. But they would actually graft it in there. And it would start to grow. Now you would think, great, we're going to get grapes out of this. Well, yeah. But guess what? You may not get decent grapes for seven years. Seven years, the preparation. Now, if you studied anything like, you know, anything about King David, it's kind of ironic that King David, when God told him, you will be king, guess how many years it was before he was actually king? Seven long years. And it's a study First Samuel and Second Samuel and some of the other writings that deal with that. It's a wonderful study. We have it on CD and stuff. But, uh, but you know, seven years before it produces good fruit. See, the goal of the vineyard is not just beauty. It is beautiful, but that's not the goal. What is the goal of the vineyard? The goal of the vineyard, the vine, the branches, is to produce fruit. That's it, fruit. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener or vine dresser. I am. Now, if you've been following along in John at all with the whole list of I am's. He keeps saying, I am this, I am that. You can add this. And this is a big one here. He goes, I am the true vine. I am means that I exist. I exist as. 
I am the true vine. It's, it's singular. Not I will become, not I was, not, you know, I am now, but I am, have always been the true vine. In the Greek, the, the word here for true is alethanos. And it means the opposite of counterfeit. The opposite of insincere, the opposite of phony, of, of the opposite of flattery, of anything that is not real. The opposite of that. This is what I am. I am real. I am the real vine. And my father is the gardener. And you guys, you are the branches. And I want you to, to bear something called fruit. And we go, okay, Lord, but, but what is fruit? Well, fortunately, we had the Bible to tell us what exactly fruit is. In fact, it goes on and it talks about fruit so much, I could literally stop right here and teach on fruit between now and the end of December. Wouldn't you love that? I'll go fast enough as it is. But I'm just going to give you a taste. (laughs) I know, bad joke. A taste of what he means by fruit this morning. I'm just going to give you a few of those. In Deuteronomy, Moses makes it very clear. Not just through one verse, but the whole book. So don't turn there. The whole book. Moses makes it very clear that our children, literally our children, your sons, your daughters, are our fruit. Your fruit. How many children are in the room today? Okay, good. We we have a couple 60-year-old children. We all are children of somebody, aren't we? That's how life works. However, how many of you are sitting with your children? Now they are your fruit. Some of you may be going, you're you're kidding. (laughs) That fruit, look at that branch. See, everybody's a, a fruit of someone else's branch. You are the answer to somebody's prayer. You're mama's little pumpkin or whatever nickname they gave you. And they just love you to death, except for when you act like a gourd. And you know what I'm talking about. When's the last time you looked out at a vineyard and saw the branch yelling at the fruit? See, the maddening thing is the farmer comes along, the vine dresser comes along, and he tastes the fruit. Toward the end of the season, he, he comes and he tests it. And he puts nutrients, uh, you know, if the fruit isn't that all that sweet, he starts to put nutrients into it and, you know, into the vine and it gets passed to the branch and, and, and to what? To the fruit. See, the goal of the vine, the goal of the branch is what? It's fruit. So one fruit is your children. One day, hopefully, my house will be full of fruit. And some people are going, oh, I hope a lot of your branch doesn't get past your child. But that's one example. Let me give you another. In Hosea chapter 14, the Lord speaks to Israel and says, You know what, guys? You have really rebelled against me. Your actions, your attitudes, everything you're doing is just going the opposite ways. But I'm not mad at you anymore. I've forgiven you for that. I'm going to restore you, and I want you to repent. And he says in in Hosea 14 that as you repent, your fruit is found in me. Wow. As you repent, you're free. I'm not mad at you. And then you have somebody like John the Baptist comes along. And John the Baptist says, you know, the same thing as Hosea says, but he says it so much more harshly. Hosea is so nice about it. Yet John the Baptist kind of, you know, he's in your face type of guy. 
You know, you're, you, John the Baptist is teaching, you're kind of ten rows back and you're thinking, okay, I'm safe enough that he's not going to, you know, he's, he's not going to get me, I'm far enough back in the crowd. And then, then, then the Holy Spirit and John the Baptist just nails you. And you're like, oh, I thought I was far enough away. John the Baptist takes that spotlight of truth and just lights it up on you. And he says, repent, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Repentance is what? It's a fruit. It is something that happens between me and Jesus as I repent. And when that occurs, there's no excuses. There's no backtracking. Well, uh, the reason why, well, you know, there's no excuses there. It is, I'm sorry. There's no bitterness there. And when this occurs right away, there's no pruning the next season. See, the pruning happens when we leave it in our system. The pruning happens when, when we allow something to grow that shouldn't be there. And God comes along and says, ooh, that's, that's not good at all. That's going to cause problems later on. And he takes that little knife and he cuts it right off. He prunes it. John the Baptist says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And everyone, I mean, he, he wouldn't even say it like that. He'd be like, bear fruit. And people would be shrinking back. Yet they knew it was the truth, so they kept coming. They didn't run away. Then in Hebrews, Hebrews 13, 15, it says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and share with others, for such sacrifices God is pleased. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give, a, give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be no advantage to you. But the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that confess his name, that's a fruit. The things that come out of your mouth is fruit, especially the things that I say about God. Sometimes, and even how I, you know, talk in everyday conversation, it's either good fruit or bad fruit. You know, I always have a good time telling people what I do. I, always, I try to wait to the very, very last moment to even mention that I'm a pastor. Not that I, I want to hide it. That's not my point. It's just that people change. They stop acting a certain way when they find out you're a pastor. My wife and I, we went on a, a snorkel boat and one of our p- favorite places to go and, and the fish are just beautiful. I'll show you some pictures later and stuff. But, but we were talking, we met this couple and you strike up a conversation. Oh, have you ever been to Hawaii before? You know, all those things. And, and you're just enjoying yourselves. And, and, uh, and the lady was talking a certain way. And then when she finally asked, well, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a pastor in California. And immediately the tone... The words, everything changed about her. It was kind of fun. <laughs> What's interesting is, they're trying not to offend me, and I'm sitting there going, I'm not the one offended. Talk to God. He's the one that's offended. You want to talk like that? I don't advise it, but I can, you know, it's not like I've never heard it before. I used to be an athletic trainer. I was around sports teams. I used to be a chaplain. Once, getting off my notes, but once I was a... Uh, up in Contra Costa County and uh, went to the restroom. We were having a meeting, a chaplain's meeting, and, and I'm in there, and, and, and I go to wash my hands, and there's another cop there, and he's splashing water all over his face, and you can tell his day was just not a good day. I don't know what had happened, but he, and he's just cussing up a storm and just, just and he goes, 
oh. I go, well, how's your day? He goes, oh, not good at all. I go, okay. He goes, well, what are you up here for? And I go, oh, the chaplain's meeting? And he immediately, oh, he's great. <laughs> the fruit of our lips can either be worship or it can be demeaning to God. The fruit of my lips is what I say about God when you're listening. And when you get close to, the, to a branch that is, is bearing fruit, what do you always do? If you see, I mean, you, you see good fruit hanging off the branch, you go out there and you want to pick one. You go out there and you pick it. And what do you do? You taste it. Is it real? Is it fake? Our fruit's not the fake stuff. These are the same lips. The same things that I say when I'm not here is what people taste about God. The fruit of our lips. Now in Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. He's basically saying, no one could crucify somebody who acted like this. Then Paul goes on and says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Do you know what comes out of fleshy fruit? Passion fruit. Self fruit. Liberty fruit. I'm, I'm able to do anything. License fruit. I have a license so I can just do anything I want. I can do whatever I want to do. Isn't this so great? But with prayer, all my fleshy stuff gets covered. And then John the Baptist comes along and says, No, it's not. You need to repent. And we go, Oh, I I don't like that guy. He pointed out my faults. I don't like that guy at all. And then Paul comes along in Galatians and says the same thing, but he says it differently. Do you know what the fruit of the Spirit is? It's the stuff that you saw in Jesus in his life, the things that he said. And you know what falls off and rots? The passions and our desires of our flesh. And we just leave it there. And hopefully the gardener, the, the vine dresser comes along and takes it away and throws it into the trash pile. And he turns back areas that are not producing fruit. Our reaction is, well, that's not very nice of you to, to trim that off of me. I was going, growing pretty well there. And you come through and chop, chop, chop. Well, what is up with that? But other times a vine dresser comes through and he he takes his little knife and we kind of get all scared. We kind of, you know, uh, jump back. And he goes through and he starts cutting off fruit. And you're like, "But, but you're taking my fruit. I was proud of that fruit. It was good fruit. And then he crushes it. And then he comes back through, not with the little knife. He comes back through his soul and starts hacking off stuff, starts taking off huge branches, preparing for the next harvest, preparing for the next season. Lord, what are you doing? I was still working on that. Please don't touch that. I was very proud of that, Lord. And he just cuts away. Great. How am I ever going to produce fruit again? Lord says, but I'm going to grow something else there. Just wait for the next season. Sometimes we look at our fruit and go... Well, I like it, but it's all dark and, and red and it stains things when it gets crushed. And, you know, but that fruit over there, 
it's all like white and pretty and and I like that fruit better so so could I could you could I could I be grafted over there no I I can't what do you mean I have to keep producing these these red grapes and the Lord it's like yeah See, we have to get comfortable with the notion that the Lord puts us in certain places at certain times for certain reasons. Sometimes in my life, I've been kind of shaking my head going, why do you got me here, Lord? I, I just don't, I, I'm not enjoying this. I, I just don't understand. And he's going, just stick through it. You're here for a reason. You're doing this for a reason. When I was working at the college, there was times when I'm sitting there going, okay, I, I don't... My boss and I, we were good friends outside of being in the whole boss and employee relationship. But when it came to the boss-employee relationship, I was just like pulling my hair out and going, Lord, why do you have me here working for him? When I wasn't paying attention, my wife and I had an effect on the college students that I was working with. Effect that that would take years to, to come to fruition. And many of those are in ministry now and they had an effect because of, of what I did back then when I'm sitting there pulling my hair out going, why do you have me here, Lord? And recently I, I talked to my old youth pastor and he asked me, he's, he's trying to get back into full-time ministry. He took a, a break for a while and he asked me to, to write a little you know, summary of, of you know, just how he affected my life. And one of the things that I said in, in that letter, a uh, cover letter form, was that his ministry has always continued through me and many other people like me. Because I do ministry the way he did ministry because he taught me well. We have an effect on people's lives. We've got to get comfortable with that notion that God has us there. And stop trying to be like everyone else. Stop trying to be like other churches, you know, other Christians. If I could just be like that, if I could just be that mature, if I could just be, be you know, if I could just be that, you know, start that ministry. When the Lord's sitting there going, but... That's not where I want you. I, I want to do something else with you. The maturing thing, that, that's good. I'm glad you have that desire. Let me mold you. Let me make you. Let me mature you. And we start to go, you know what? This saying that God planted me in our neighborhood is, is pretty good. We'll just wait and see what happens right here. So out of curiosity, again, what is the goal of the vineyard? To produce fruit. That's the goal of the vineyard. Jesus says in Matthew seven sixteen, and what he says here is that we are free to evaluate other people's fruit. But, Pastor Allen, that, that would be judging. And, and as Christians, we have learned that we should not judge. No, it's incorrect. You're reading the Bible wrong. Verse 16, it says, By their fruit you will recognize them. Therefore, we have to evaluate, Right? We'll recognize people by their fruit. Do people pick grapes uh, from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Jesus says we're free to evaluate the fruit in other people's lives. But let's balance this a little bit because I don't want to go too far because we walk out here and just go, well, I can evaluate this person, I can evaluate that person. Oh, I saw, uh, did you see what they did? And we start acting like that. So we start getting judgmental. Jesus also says, judge not lest you be judged. See, he's, he's basically saying, if you want to evaluate, you want to judge, that's fine. But the same measure that we judge other people, we will be measured with. 
So then it makes a step back and go, okay, I can judge sin, but I'm going to be ju- so I got I got to be held to the same standard. So it kind of, in a sense, lifts us up even more. So the way around to not be a judge is just call yourself a fruit inspector. See, the Lord wants us to have healthy fruit. So we have to inspect the fruit. And actually, this inspection begins way before the fruit ever starts to grow. You inspect the soil, you inspect the vine. In fact, did you know that the, if you go by a vineyard, you'll see rose bushes planted at the end of every row? Oh, that's so nice of them. They make it all pretty, you know, kind of like an end cap there on the end of the row. And it, oh, it's just so beautiful. Did you know there's an actual reason for that rose bush to be there? Roses are susceptible to the same diseases that the fruit is susceptible to, but it happens a lot quicker in the roses. So if the vine dresser comes along, he doesn't have to inspect the whole row. He comes along and he sees the rose and he goes, oh, those aren't looking too good. He knows that he's got to go out there and, and figure out what the problem is. Do I need to add you know, chemicals? Do I need to, to take some bugs away? What do I need to do to correct so I have a good harvest, a good fruit? See, there are bugs around the fruit. And we say, yep, I've noticed some bugs and they're bugging me right now. And the Lord comes through and deals with bugs. And we go, hey, hey, Lord, there's a couple more bugs on my branch. And he comes along and says, no, 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 those are good bugs. But they're bugging me. No, no, but, but Alan, that's okay that they're bugging you because those are good bugs. Those will actually help you. You mean, Lord, there's going to be things that bug me as I produce fruit? That's not fair. They bite. They crawl around. I don't like that, Lord. You see, one thing that we forget, we're branches. We didn't invent the process. We just grow and we produce either good fruit or mediocre fruit or terrible fruit. Nasty, awful fruit. Have you ever bitten into a, a piece of nasty, awful fruit? I mean, immediately you're just like, ooh, and you throw it out. I mean, you're just like, ugh. You know, your face gets all scrunchy and ugh. Now, what happens, in a sense, when you bite into a Christian that produces bad fruit? The same thing. You're just like, ugh. I mean, your reaction is, is the same. What happens when the world bites into our nasty fruit? When we call ourselves a Christian, but our, our actions don't follow through that. What is their reaction? Well, back to the branches thing. We are just branches. We are grafted into the vine. And this wasn't our idea. He grafted us in. And there's this process where the vine dre- uh, dresser carefully grafts in what is needed to each vine. You know, a vine can actually last 20 to 30 years. But did you know that the branches, they come and go? The Lord cuts off some of the branches and moves them around, puts them on different vines. But a vine can last 20 to 30 years. And the Lord chooses who and where to graft. And when we don't fight him, when we, when we start to allow him this, this process of the grafting, it's also called abiding or remaining. It's allowing him to work in our lives. So if you abide in me and my words and my nutrients, everything abides in you and the fruit will be unbelievable. And then when you ask for the vine dresser for something, he's going, yeah, I can add that in there. I can help you out with that. 
And our fruit blossoms to the point where those guidelines that they put there, they're needed. He ties our arms up. He ties our branches up. And he goes, man, I got, I got to support you because your fruit is just it's weighing you down. And let me support you. That's an awesome thing. A production comes out of our lives. Even to the point where in our past people have said, you would never make a good Christian. But now, look at you. People have told you, man, you're selfish, you're ignorant, you're awful. All those things that are opposite of God's fruit. But now you're thriving. And you feel like going, <laughs> I'm just going to shove it right back in your face. Don't you feel like, I mean, there's, there, there's people I want to go back to and go, see, told you so. But every time I do that, you know what the Lord does? He prunes me a little. So I'm starting to learn not to do that so much. Every so often it still comes out of me. So don't do that. But all of a sudden, our prayers seem to be more important. We pray for fruit, and then we see it happen. And we call this abiding or dwelling or resting in the Lord. If you get a chance, go today and go look at a vineyard. Go, you know, drive toward Visalia. And look at some of the vines out there. Let the Lord teach you on this. But you start hanging around fruit-bearing Christians. How do I know what a fruit-bearing Christian looks like? You evaluate the fruit. Not every little snidbit. I mean, you know, we can get way too picky. But are, are they, over a period of time, are they consistently producing good fruit? So judge with grace, and you will be judged with grace. Don't look for the perfect fruit. Only Jesus was the perfect fruit. But see if the fruit is good fruit. And we see good fruit, we need to harvest it. Because the goal of the vineyard is what? To produce fruit. This is why we don't call them apple blossom trees. We call them apple trees. They produce apples. The blossoms are wonderful, but they're there for a purpose. The fruit is the goal. We have to be a vineyard that the Lord plants. And if we rely on old fruit that's just been hanging on the branch for a long time, the Lord goes, you know, no, no, no. We need to keep producing. An old branch can be trimmed back a little bit and it can produce more fruit if we allow it to happen. See, Jesus came and he planted himself in our soil and we were grafted into him and we should be producing fruit, fruit that will last. Now, there is seasons, don't get me wrong, there's seasons where, where you go through just like the, the, the vine has to be cut back and, you know, it's not like you're going to be producing fruit 24-7. But if you look back in a year ago and you're sitting there going, well, a year ago in my life, I haven't, I haven't produced any fruit. Well, then maybe you need to reevaluate your relationship with Jesus. Reevaluate your relationship with God. Because you should be producing fruit because that's the goal. Do you see the progression here? If you go back and read this, he says, I want you to bear fruit. And then he says, I want you to bear more fruit. And then he says... I want you to bear much fruit. He wants us to continually be bearing fruit. It's like every season you'll be producing more and more and more. And David writes, Blessed is the man who sits and studies the scripture, because he is like a tree planted near, next to the river that bears fruit in and out of season. See, the goal of the church is to be a healthy vineyard. And the only way to be healthy is to be connected to the right vine. He's the vine. We are the branches. And we are to bear fruit. 
So go and bear fruit with Jesus' help. And today we're going to end, and in a few minutes we're going to um, gather together up here on the stage. A couple of guys are going to come up and they're going to clear away some of the stuff. We're going to call you up, and we're going to baptize some fruit. We're going to baptize Sonoma. I know it's weird to think of it. Okay, she's a fruit. What type of fruit is she? Okay, no, we're not going to psychological things. But the point is, we should be leading our young ones into the Lord. We should be producing fruit. We should be going out there and showing the world what Jesus looks like. And then when people pick the fruit, what do they taste? They taste Jesus. When you get a reaction, what's your reaction? It's a Christ-like reaction. Sometimes that Christ-like reaction can be irritated. It can be angry. But it's a Christ-like reaction. Sometimes that reaction is completely the opposite of what they expect. They expect you to be totally angry. My wife said she was totally surprised. I know, because there's no telling what I'll say or do sometimes. But we were uh, our last night in Hawaii, we went to a beach, our favorite beach, and I took my camera because I love sunset pictures. I got rolls and rolls before we went to digital. I got rolls of sunset pictures. And I sat up by these two palm trees that are just perfectly kind of the way they, they are. They're not just straight up. They're kind of angled and all that. And I set it all up, and I wanted to get the sunset. And the sun's like going down, so we're trying to hurry. We got it all set up, ready to go. I'm ready to click. And a guy and a daughter just walks right in and plops down right in the middle of my picture. And I went... Do you mind? I, I, I'm trying to catch the sunset. And he looks at me and he goes, If you've seen one sunset, you've seen them all. And I just bit my tongue for a second. I said, Well, would you mind moving over? And my wife later said, I'm surprised you didn't say something back. Because normally my reaction would be like, Because he was going snorkeling. Well, if you've seen one fish, you've seen them all. I mean, come on. You're just sitting there going, How dumb is that statement? You know, I'm, it walked away going, what was bugging him that day that made him react that way? I could have reacted with bad fruit. Luckily, this time, I reacted with good fruit. Hopefully, that happens more and more in my life and your life. We are to produce good fruit. Well, let's pray, and then if you'll just wait around for about five minutes, we're going to clear the stage, and you can, we'll call you up to the stage, and we'll do a, a baptism of Sonoma. So let's pray. Lord, I'm so thankful that you that you are the true vine. I'm so thankful that you've prepared the soil that you've planted me in, that I can bear fruit. I pray, Lord, that you teach us through the scripture, that you allow us to see some fruit in our lives. Sometimes we get bogged down in everyday things and we forget to look for the fruit that we're producing. And Lord, if somebody's out there sitting and going, I'm, I haven't been producing fruit, I pray that you start speaking with them, start changing them, allow them to be molded. Allow their spirit to to start changing them to a point where they can look up and say, change me how you want, Lord. If you need to prune, then prune. If you need to cut off, cut off. But Lord, allow us to see the fruit of our life with you. We love you so much, Lord. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you. May his fruit grow in your life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.